0: Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble, Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that Fourth of July message I had last week. Unfortunately, I did that—I did not do that message in the studio, so I forgot to introduce the music. Uh, for the uh, 1812 overture, so I apologize for that, but I hope that you did enjoy that song. It's a great song to hear on Independence Day. Today, we're back in the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and we are starting on chapter eight. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do chapter eight, and um, probably part of chapter nine, we still have a few chapters to get through. We've got to get all the way through 16. So um, looks like we're halfway through, but these other chapters are, um, well, I want to say a couple of them are short. We should be able to get through them pretty quickly. Anyway, we're at chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the Corinth church. And we'll just start with verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge pops up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we are for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, There is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling, stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you have, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak and be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, this chapter is specifically about causing a brother or a sister to stumble with regard to food. Now, back in those days, they did sacrifice food to idols in the temple. Uh, that isn't done today other than in one particular religion that I'm not going to mention, that food is offered to, um, let me just say, how can I say this politically correct? It's just offered to, um, well, I'm going to leave it at that. I'll let you use your imagination. So typically, we don't have this happening in our culture today, at least not in the United States. And Paul was saying, you know, knowledge pops up. In other words, you might have all the knowledge in the world, but you have to be very careful because knowledge can make you very arrogant He says, but love edifies. You know, love builds up another brother and sister. Just because you have all this knowledge. Knowledge doesn't edify. It just makes you look good to other people. And Paul is very concerned about offending a brother or sister in Christ because he says, now, when you sin against a brother or sister, you wound their weak conscience, you're actually sinning against Christ. So we have to be very careful in these matters. Now, as far as Paul's concerned, um, you know, food is food. He, he's not making a big deal about it, except we are going to look in Romans, and he will talk about that he would prefer, if you knew, that food was sacrificed to an idol that you would not eat it but many times you're not going to know or they wouldn't know so if they don't know then it's not going to hurt them because he says food does not commend us to god in other words food isn't going to give you marks in heaven with jesus okay you're not you're not going to score uh score a mark in heaven because of food he says, uh, for neither if we eat are we the better. If we don't eat, we're, are, we're not uh, the worse for it. So we can't get hung up on these kinds of issues. Um, and he talks about that there are, you know, of course, to those who, are, uh, who don't have faith in Christ, There are many, many cultures across the world that still pray to and um, serve many gods, thousands of gods, sometimes hundreds of thousands of gods. So Paul makes it clear that for us, us meaning believers, there's one God, God the Father. There's one Jesus Christ, one Lord And that's it. We don't have to be concerned about anything else. We don't have to be concerned about thousands of gods or this or that. So, you know, and the other thing that, the other point that he makes here is in verse four, he says, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there's no other God, but one. So whether that food is sacrificed to an idol or not, um, you know, we can't get all bent out of shape about that because if there's somebody who believes, you know, if you come across somebody who believes that um, eating food sacrificed to an idol is is a bad thing, then... For their sake, Paul is saying, don't eat the food. Because he says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered idols. In other words, you can't become a stumbling block. You can't go into a... a I don't even know what we could compare that to today, to be honest, because the culture is so different today than it is that, than it was then, but, so I'm not sure I have anything to compare that to, but I think the point of this whole chapter is that we don't want to, because of our knowledge, we don't want to uh, cause the weak one, our weak brother and sister, um we don't want them to perish, because Christ died for them. And we don't want to sin against them, or wound their conscience. So we want to be very careful, especially about uh, around young believers, uh, those who are young in the Lord, uh, those who are weak in the Lord. Um, we don't want to wound their weak conscience, because if we do, then we are sinning against Christ. Paul Paul has the right attitude here. He says, if food makes my brother or sister stumble, I'm never going to eat meat again. To make, you know, because I'm not about to make my brother stumble. Period. Um, and I'm sure there are probably some societies where, you know, some foods are, are forbidden. Others are accepted. And, um, although I'm not familiar with what that is, I mean, I've, I've heard of things, but still, if you know something is going to cause a brother or sister to stumble, just avoid it. Really be sensitive to their conscience. And, you know, it's, it's, it's getting into a pattern of self-denial, see? And that's, really, really important, uh, as we'll see. Now, if we look at Romans chapter 14, again, this issue of food comes up. And they were judging one another. And Paul says here, chapter 14, um, starting with verse 10, he says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all of us. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother or sister's way. And that's really the thrust of First Corinthians 8. And, of course, uh, here in Romans 14, he's reiterating that. And he says in verse 14, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to, un- to be unclean, to him it's unclean. So if a brother or sister thinks some food is unclean and they shouldn't eat it, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe a a Jewish person who's used to eating kosher uh, considers pork um, unclean. Well, if they consider it to be unclean, then that's fine. Uh, We're not going to. We're not going to grieve our brother or sister. He says, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. So the last thing we want to do, let's just say we had some um, Jewish folks over for dinner. And uh, we decide to serve pork because we don't know any better. And they are very offended and do not want to eat that pork. Well, the last thing we want to do is go ahead and dig into the pork, right? Uh, Maybe you've fixed ribs on the grill, pork ribs, and um, baby back ribs. And you think it's just grand that you're going to serve them these baby back ribs. And they're offended and they do not want to eat pork. Are you just going to go ahead and eat the baby back ribs in front of them? No. You don't want to grieve people. And if they're Messianic Jews, in other words, they're Jewish people that believe in Christ, that's absolutely the last thing you want to do. Because he says, to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So we can't allow food to get in the way of grieving brothers and sisters and causing them to, um, you know, be very, very upset. And then they question, you know, what do we believe? I mean, it's just, you walk in love. You don't destroy this person over food He says in verse 16 therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of God this is a very important scripture verse 17 for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit so uh, you know we have to be reasonable here. And we have to realize that food and drink have, you know, they're not the kingdom of God. They're not the kingdom of God. Eating and drinking is not the kingdom kingdom of God, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, for he who serves Christ in these things in these things, meaning in righteousness, peace, and joy, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, Paul says, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Now, that, doesn't that just make simple sense? We, we want to pursue the things that make for peace between um our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're not trying to cause us, you know, an irritation. We're not trying to uh, cause controversy. And he says, by things which one may edify one another. I mean, we should always be thinking, first of all, we should always prefer the other person above ourselves we should always be thinking, how can we build them up not being so self-centered that we're focused on our own needs and wants? You know, like, hey, I'm going to eat those baby back ribs. Even if it offends you, sorry, that would be rude and it would be unscriptural and it would not be walking in love. It's just selfishness. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. I mean, that just makes simple sense, doesn't it? But, you know, sometimes when we get in the flesh and the flesh is strong, I've said that many times, our flesh is very strong. We get in the flesh and we forget that our decisions, our words, our comments, can really affect another brother and sister and hurt them. So we're, we should think about the fact that we're to build up one another, edify one another. And we don't want to destroy what God has done in an individual over food. That would just be so sad. That would be so ridiculous if that happened. It would be so carnal and so fleshly and let's just get to the point. It would be extremely evil and Christ would have none of that. Paul says, all things indeed are pure but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. In other words, If you were to go ahead and eat those baby back ribs, knowing that it would offend your brother and sister, uh, it's evil. It's evil. See, food can't be more important than the soul of a brother and sister in the Lord. Verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So, again, you know, now we can get into the issue when it says here it's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine. You know, there's this big controversy in the church today. Is it okay to drink wine? Personally, I don't drink any alcohol. Zero. That's a personal conviction. I'm not going to judge other Christians who drink wine. Um, For me, it doesn't work. Okay? And I want to be very careful not to cause another brother or sister to stumble who has broken that addiction of alcohol come out of that. I don't want to offend them. And, you know, maybe uh, I've got a sister or brother who's weak in that area and they see me, the minister, drinking a glass of wine and they think, well, you know, I guess if it's it's okay for her, it's okay for me. And then they go back into, you know, uh, having an issue. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. I know plenty of wonderful, wonderful Christians out there who drink wine. It doesn't affect them. Uh, you know, it's their conscience. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into a struggle over that. I have to tell you what my personal belief is, how I am convicted by the Holy Spirit, and that is not to drink alcohol period of any sort and i can be i mean i'll be frankly honest with you i've had i've tried to drink uh a couple sips of wine and it just it just makes my head funny um so you know if i were to drink more i'd really get my head funny and then you know i want to be clear at all times i'm not i don't You know, I don't want to give the enemy one inch. I don't want to give him an advantage over me. I don't want my mind to be uh, unclear because of alcohol. Because, well, I mean, what's the point? You know, I guess for me it's, what's the point? Why drink it? So, um, and, and, and I truly believe, you know, the story of the wedding of Cana, that was real wine folks, because they got drunk. The scripture says it. It wasn't ferment it wasn't it wasn't grape juice. And back then they did drink wine. So I don't you know I don't I'm not condemning anyone in the least. I'm just talking about my own personal conviction and what I believe is the best for me as a minister of the gospel. I don't want to make anybody stumble. I don't want to offend anybody, especially uh, a weak person in faith, okay? Verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So, you know, um, if you feel that it's okay to eat, um, again, I'm not sure I can even come up with a situation similar, but nevertheless, I think we have to just be very careful and not um, not cause anyone to stumble in any way, especially with food and drink. So I hope that makes sense to you. I'm turning back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, you know, Paul really is talking about our conscience. And, you know, again, food is not the end-all be-all, for goodness sakes. Because he says, food does not commend us to God. (laughs) Whether we eat, you know, neither if we eat are we better, or if we don't eat are we the worse. So it's not a matter of that. And we just have to kind of get over that. And the last thing we want to do is... um, cause a brother or a sister who is weak in the faith um, to perish for whom Christ died. You know, he's very strong about that because he said in verse 12 of uh, 1 Corinthians 8, but when you thus sin against the brethren, when you sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. I mean, that should be enough to say, hey, it's not that important, right? Okay. Let's start with verse, excuse me, let's start with chapter 9. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And he's just telling those in Corinth, you know, hey, um, you people right here, this church of Corinth, you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And then he says in verse 3, my defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife as do all also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes who ever goes to war at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat the fruit of it? Who tends the flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? Do I say these things? As a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it ox? Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt that it is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who brushes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we've sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. What Paul's talking about here is, and he doesn't make it real clear, you know, what he's saying is, look, if we're ministering the gospel, Obviously, we should be receiving some type of compensation for this. And, um, that's why he uses, you know, do you plant a vineyard and not expect to eat the fruit of it? So he's just saying, look, you know, this is what we do. We preach the gospel and, you know, uh, there should be compensation for that. You don't just let a person, you know, he's preaching. He's giving up his time, his, what he's called to do. Um, he, he says here from the book of Moses, you should not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. I mean, how crazy is that? You've got an ox who's doing the work and you're going to put a muzzle on them? That doesn't even make sense. He says, we've sown spiritual things for you. Is it a great thing if we reap your material things? I mean, that's true. And even though he makes that case, he says, nevertheless, we have not used this right but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. And then verse 13 says, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the things of the offering? What he's telling you there is that the priests in the temple, they're doing ministry in the temple, they're eating of the best of the best. They're partaking of the offerings of the altar. I mean, that's that's to be expected. It's almost foolish. I mean, they have no other income. They have no other way to live. So, um, he says in verse 14, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So, he's just... Telling them in a very nice way, look, we are, so to speak, treading out the grain. We are the ones going from here to there, yonder and thither, and we're the one preaching the gospel. Uh, We're the one doing this work, and there should be some compensation for it. We should be paid for it. But even if you don't, he says, he's not going to... Hinder the gospel of Christ. Even he will endure all things. He says, But I have used none of these things, verse 15, nor have I written these things that should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, guess what? I have a reward. But if it's against my will, well, he says, I've been entrusted with the stewardship. Paul's a very responsible individual. He has been given the gospel. He's been entrusted with the stewardship of the gospel and getting the gospel preached and going to spread the gospel. So no matter what, if you pay him if you don't pay him if you compensate him or you don't compensate him he's not going to stop preaching the gospel he's going he's going to endure all things verse 18 he says what is my reward then that when i preach the gospel i may present the gospel of christ without Charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. He's just saying, I show up at Corinth, I show up at Antioch, I show up at Ephesus, I show up at Rome. I don't charge anybody. I don't come with a predetermined fee. Hey, uh, I expect $2,000 when I show up to preach at your church. No, no. He said, when I come to preach I'm going to present the gospel of Christ without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So that is the bottom line for Paul. That is the bottom line. He is not going there and saying I'm charging you. But, on the other hand we don't muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. We should be very generous toward those who preach the gospel. We should be generous toward those who labor in the gospel, who pray and labor in the word, and then preach the word. But regardless of whether he got paid or not, he wasn't going to hinder the gospel based on that but he's just making a point. And it's a good point because there are a lot of itinerant ministers who who come with a predetermined amount of money and they won't come unless, I know that for a fact, they won't come to a church unless you give them so much. Do you know why some of them do that? Because they've been absolutely burned. They fly for free, they stay in a hotel room for free, and then they get a little offering of maybe fifty dollars folks that's horrible that's disgusting actually and if you're if you're a minister of a church that does that you can't afford to pay the person's expenses and then give them an offering then please don't invite them because I think that is just absolutely rude I think it's absolutely rude Now, whenever I go out to preach, I never have any predetermined amount. If you give me something, great. If you don't, that's on you. But I'm going to preach the gospel nevertheless. That's how it is. Because God will provide for me. But I think that's what Paul's trying to get across here, okay? And so I'm just trying to make that point clear. Well, I'm looking forward to being with you next week. This is Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. With that, I say shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.